welcome back to the Life You Deserve podcast with me, Dr. Jill Barham. We are at episode four of the series of domestic abuse during lockdown. Today I'm talking to a lady from Cyprus. Her name is Helena Giorgio and we are specifically covering the um, very uh, difficult area of sexual abuse in children. She was abused by her own father from the ages of three till seven and uh, she's sharing with us her story in the hope that her plight will not be suffered by another child. Even her own mother didn't realise that this sexual abuse was happening in her own household. Um, so this episode is really important for you to be able to recognise and indeed spot the signs of uh, a child that may be in a similar plight. Please like and share this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Dr. Jill Barham and you are listening to the Life You Deserve podcast. And today I have literally somebody from the other side of the world. <laughs> this is Helena Georgiou, who is um, calling in from Cyprus. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello, Dr. Jill. Lovely to be here. Such an honour. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that you've joined me. Now, we have a very important thing, although we're being very smiley towards one another, we have a very important thing to talk about because I'm doing a series of interviews about domestic abuse, uh, specifically because of the rise in numbers with lockdown. Uh, and although we are being cautious or whatever it is at the moment, um, there's still an awful lot of people that are locked in their homes. And what we know is that abuse is going on of men, women and children, uh, because most abuse happens, 88% of abuse happens in, in the home. And Helena here, um, I met on a, uh, a summit uh, not very long ago. And she very kindly offered to come and speak to me about her experience. And specifically, we are going to talk uh, about children. We've done some episodes about uh, adults, but we're here to talk about children and domestic abuse today. So Helena, uh, what I want to establish first of all is, uh, although you live in Cyprus, you're actually from um, a little bit further away from that. Tell us where you're from and what your childhood was like, please. Sure. I was born in South Africa in a town called Durban by the sea, hence living now in Papos by the sea here in Cyprus. My childhood was uh, with my father's sexual abuse from the ages of three until seven. And then from my teenage years, when I became a young woman, it became physical abuse. So I didn't have that stability that most children have, the wonderful daughter-father relationship, the support. My mom was, was ill most of the time, taking care of my ill younger brother. So I was very much um, on my own and had to deal with the life as it came to me in the best way possible at the time. So I became withdrawn. I was happy to be on my own. I would sit on uh, the grass outside in the garden with my pets, dog and cats and rabbits and actually turned to music to play on my recorder and was really happy. That was my solstice, my solitude, my savior. Mm. And you were very isolated, you know, though you weren't, you know, you were out in the middle of nowhere. There were no houses near you. Is that true? Yes, that's right. The, the, the nearest neighbors were, were in a, maybe a five to 10 minute walk away. So it was very much that uh, they couldn't hear. They couldn't hear um, 
or do anything about it at the time. No, growing up, that would have been in the 70s, 1970, yeah, from the 70s to the early 80s, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and this is really difficult, obviously, but, you know, your mother was unaware, was she, of what was going on? Yes, she was. She was very much preoccupied with my brother. And, of course, being um, a housewife with all her other duties, um, and me being a young child just thought and presumed, well, that's how things are. It's normal. You know, they, my parents, they love me. This is how life is not knowing better at those young ages. Mm. So what I'd like to investigate with you a little bit is if it was now, if it was lockdown and almost, I think this is why you're so relatable is actually you were kind of in a lockdown situation really, weren't you? Yes, exactly. You know, there was nobody looking out for you. There was nobody in the house. Nobody was aware of it outside the house. Absolutely. So from your point of view, we know that this is going on, whether it's sexual abuse or physical abuse of young children. Um, what are the signs that we as an observer looking in, what might we witness? What can, might what we see now or hear now, or what might we... I realise, looking back in hindsight, um, from before lockdown, that would give us a little bit of insight into actually this child is vulnerable because they are behaving in these ways. Can you explain some of the behaviours that we might typically see? Yes, of course. Many children, let's say at school before lockdown, the vulnerable ones would be the ones sitting on their own in a corner, uh, not mingling or socializing with other children that would either be very withdrawn or be the opposite extreme and be extremely angry not knowing how to cope with these emotions and the fact that you know they don't have friends and no one wants to be their friends they don't know um, how to make long-standing relationships because the fact that they've grown up in a dysfunctional uh, family even though at a child's level they're not aware of that but within themselves their body is feeling something's not right, but they don't know how to express it. So a teacher or um, another family member could be aware of this. If not the mother, is, um, is if not the mother herself, because of other reasons. Mm. And the neighbours, of course, if you're at, at at home, they could hear, um, or somebody that comes in and out, a friend that comes to visit, could maybe be aware of the signs of the fact that the child would be friendly and come up to them and now is not doing that the child is withdrawing and keeping away and not smiling but the ch child is maybe drawing very um you know sad and depressing pictures of if, if you look at it through the artistic way mm. do you do you um or did you i should say have a sense even at that yet very young age that this what was happening to you was wrong yes absolutely it it was like it's, it's happening. Um, it didn't feel right, but who do I talk to? Who's going to listen? You know, the fact that there was no support, no one to turn to. So it was just kind of like accepted as, as the norm that, oh, well, this is how it is. Mm. And you were saying also that some of the other signs would be, for example, you said to me that you would never kiss your father goodnight. You would never willingly go and just sit on his knee. Exactly. You know, all of those normal things that we would expect to happen between a parent and a child, those, those weren't usual for you. 
exactly so that's so that's another sign you can look out for um as a mother you could be aware of that or um even as a brother or sibling you know or as as a friend or family member coming into the house let's say before when the child was younger they would run up and hug and kiss them whereas now they're not doing that so there, there are signs and that for me definitely is something i've had to work through now and at this age of my life and actually come to to do a lot of deep um, healing and clearing of that father-daughter relationship that i never had and which actually went into my older um, adulthood when i was actually afraid of being around men but i didn't know why because i hadn't understood and dealt with it so yeah it comes up in different ways and through child through the teenage lives as well not wanting to have a boyfriend or just okay to be with your girlfriends all the time mm. so there are these red flags and that's really what the spot the signs campaign is all about which exactly. is what this series is is that this this whole um series of interviews of podcasts are, are helping us looking from the outside in to, to be able to spot the signs of abuse on all levels to all different sorts of people at all um, different cultures but on the whole they are very common they are very um kind of almost um standard if you like um and so it's not very it's not that it is complicated but it's something that in previous times particularly before covid when we've been living these crazy crazy lives that maybe we've overlooked before now and I think one of the reasons for bringing the Spot the Signs Out campaign now is that we've actually all had to take a step back. We've all had to really think about the community and about our families. We're more concerned. And so for me, this is the time where maybe there's a time for reflection to say, oh, actually, now you come to mention it. I did notice that this little girl or this little boy's behavior has changed. And you know what, I have noticed that they don't sit on their mum's knee or their dad's knee or that they, um, their behaviour has changed or that they spend a long time on their own or maybe they've only got one friend, you know, rather than be that child, of course. lots of friends. Because I think that was you as well. You, yes. you only had one friend, didn't you? Yes, that's right. Because you, you don't develop this ability to trust others. And, uh, you know, you feel that, You've never had that, so you don't know how to create that or give it or receive it because mm -hmm. it's, it's all about us losing our self-love and worth for ourselves because we don't receive it. So we feel we're not good enough or we did something wrong. That's why we don't get it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's also, you know, maybe being aware of the abuser themselves who, who maybe is more, more angry now, especially in lockdown, more frustrated, you know, um, you know, my experience was different because of my dad, obviously, as a child in the 70s, 80s growing up. Now, with the lockdown, it's going to be more due to financial reasons. You can have neighbors hearing the shouting or screaming or physical abuse, as I had later in my teenage years. So um, the siblings will hear it, the mother or father will hear it, but it's whether they do something about it or how they reach out to... to um, get some support and have this relationship to create trust with someone. Mm. So your mother was aware of, unaware of the sexual abuse. Was she unaware of the physical abuse in your teens? No, she, both her and my brother obviously heard it, but they were too afraid. She was obviously having been 
physically abused by my father as well occasionally and I witnessed that so she was obviously afraid and at that stage the way she grew up believing that the man was always right especially my father being Cypriot very controlling and arrogant at times a narcissist himself um, she didn't want to stand up to him she feared for her life which mm. I've come to understand because of her experience and her sexual abuse growing up as a teenager and then my, my brother as well younger two years younger was weak and always sickly so obviously he was not able to support me or help me in any way so mm -hmm. they were aware of it but unfortunately just um, turned a blind eye yeah well they, they were powerless really weren't they yes, well they felt absolutely. powerless to do something yes, about it yes, yes. and so that's where you know maybe we 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 want to investigate is how we can um, from the outside looking in not judge the situation not judge you know if there is abuse going on that the the mother for example might be turning a blind eye as it's seen but actually how can we offer that child or potentially that woman as well um a subtle way of communicating with us yes. and reaching out for help and i think you know we've, we've we've talked about some ideas for that particularly let's start for young children so if it was now uh, and we had you know these things okay. <laughs> um even as you know, young children have access to iPads and uh, and to communication, but you know, from a very young age, what what are the things that you would have um, liked to have had access to? What would you? What could you see? Well, if I could have done this, um, I could have at least reached out and told somebody that today was a bad day, a particularly bad day, or that today was actually the day that I feared for my life. Mm -hmm. or that today actually I was an okay day, that I was all right, just to be able to form that communication. Yeah, well, I feel the technology is a great, great help nowadays. Um, and obviously, in my younger days, it wasn't available, whereas now most children own something, whether it's an iPad or mobile. So I would suggest having keywords or key codes or emojis to connect to someone they, they trust whether it might be the grandparent, let's say, or an aunt or uncle or cousin or, or niece or nephew, that, that they, they can send an emoji to that signifies they're in trouble or they want to talk or, you know, they're being abused or they have been abused or they're afraid. Um, because often, often children at that age, like myself, you would just cry yourself to sleep and, mm. or hold your teddy or, you know, um, in those days it was the soft toys. So you'd look for comfort it makes it, it it makes you um very resilient within yourself but mm. it also robs you of a lot as a child because you those are the years you need up until the age of seven where you you're learning and from everything around you so that makes you who you become in your later stages in life so yes. it's that foundation that that's that's being created that's so important um that if the child has someone to reach out to or some kind of coding system where they know that that person really cares would make a big difference. Gosh, absolutely. Yes. So that could be, you know, some colored balloons, you know, yes. green for I'm okay today, uh, an orange for I'd really like to talk or a red for I'm really concerned for my own welfare, or maybe they are concerned for their mother or their your sibling you know that it could also be that situation isn't it because exactly. the trauma of 
being in a, an abusive household, even if you're not being abused itself, is as traumatic. We know Absolutely. that now, yes. as you say, you know, particularly for those formative years up till seven, that that trauma sits within ourselves and determines our later personality and, and personal reality yeah. uh, and our likelihood to perpetuate the, the kind of cycle, if you like. But it could also equally be a, you know, a teddy bear or a, a you know, a, a dragon, which means I'm really in a bad place or there's st stuff going on here um, that isn't good. So it's about creating that kind of agreement, really, isn't it? It could be hearts yes. or roses. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So even with the T-shirts, the color of the T-shirt, if, if, yeah. if you agree with a red Red is danger or like work with the, the color of the traffic lights and say yellow, you know, I'm powerless and the green that yes, come help me now. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing, even just for them to wear something if they don't have yeah. or, or, or hold, you know, something up to not make it so obvious, but they need to, it, it needs to be simple and um, easily easily at hand and most kids have a it's mobile not, it's not easy to rescue let's no. not say that we're expecting you as a grandparent or a no. cousin or whatever to go and sort the situation out because this is the very worst time to do that now because things are so heightened yes. um that you know anger can spill over very very quickly but it is from a child's point of view it's just having somebody that you didn't like you didn't have yes. you didn't have anybody to confide in to talk to to tell that was trusted that would exactly. keep your secret because hmm. it needed to be kept a secret. So that's what we're talking about. We're just yes. talking about a listening ear. When yes. lockdown is over and, you know, being alert or whatever it is, whatever that means, um, <laughs> stops, then, you know, that's the point at which maybe there, there could be a little bit more um, activity or, you know, something, something positive in terms of action that could be done. But for now, when we're just talking about now, actually just being that listening ear is the most important thing yes, that is absolutely totally necessary and it could be anybody that you know even like a godparent myself my god mark my godchild she was um abused at a young age with uh, cigarettes on her body which i picked up on and and that's the same thing they they don't know how to speak about it but i see now that she's 19 how it affects them and they just need someone to, to be there for them. I think that's mm. it. Sometimes they can't even express what happened because, mm. you know, to them, they don't know really what's going on if they're between the young ages up until seven. Um, it's just to, to know that they can snuggle in someone's arms or, you know, just actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even, you know, just to see someone's face and maybe do a virtual call or a virtual call with the auntie or godmother. Let's say, for example, I didn't have that. So, I feel that would be comforting. Yes. That's what they need is to know they're supported, they've, they heard or that there's love somewhere. They can get love somewhere that not everyone treats in that way. Mm. That there is good in the world. There is, there is loving people in the world and you can trust people. Not, not everyone, but that we understand at a later stage. But when you're going through that, that period, it's definitely having someone to reach out to. Mm. That's just so valuable. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. I think, you know, the message is very clear. Um, so it's about creating a pathway and a medium somehow, whether it's through your phone, whether it's, you know, establishing a regular uh, conversation with a, with a grandparent maybe. And so the child is able to not necessarily verbalize what they're, what they want, but, you know, you can chat to people that 
gets hidden and there's all sorts of ways and kids are actually let's face it are much better at that stuff than yes, we are definitely <laughs> um so it's giving giving people the opportunity to have that to have that safe space of course of course to know it's okay to speak to not have to be silent i think that's that's the issue is when when a child has to be silent it's something that scars him for a long time as i've come to discover only now in my late 40s how yeah. how it does scar them so so if they're able to just have that smile now that they're in lockdown or just um you know connect with somebody or even if it's just a friend as well yeah yeah, it could, could easily be a, a school friend, you know, because they are, you know, they're playing online, particularly boys. My, my big yes. concern is boys because yeah. girls tend to kind of connect a bit easier, yes. don't they? But, you know, yes. for teenage boys particularly, they, it's very easy for them just to go and hide away in their room. So there's a big That's concern right. about that. But they are communicating through their Xboxes or whatever it is. So very making true. them aware that, you know, this is, this is something that they could do, um, and maybe there's that that friend's mother could mm -hmm. provide that little bit of a safe space, yeah. you know, that kind of godmother role. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That fairy godmother to give them yeah. that idea that, you know, there is, uh, you know, they are safe. It's safe to speak that they can yeah. express themselves um, in whatever way they feel they need to, whether it's even just crying or just shouting or singing or jumping around in whatever way the kid expresses themselves. Yeah. As, that, as you say, you with your recorder outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Helena, thank you so much. Um, you know, we're going to try and get this campaign out as far and wide as possible. Um, thank you very much for your time. And uh, we're going to have another chat um, at some point because we're really interested in how you overcame, you know, these, these life traumas that you had. And we'll certainly be doing another call um, about that in, in, um, in this kind of series. Um, so I'm very grateful for you spending the time all the way from lovely sunny Cyprus. Thank you very much, Dr. Jill. It's been a great honor for me to be here and share my story in whatever way I can. And to know that it's going to reach someone's heart and, and spread worldwide. That's what it's about. It's, I'm here to inspire and, and make this world a better place, especially for children. Children are innocent, you know, and it, they do need support. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's traumatic enough yeah. as it is yeah. for the majority of children, but there are just yeah. some of them that are really, um, we, we do need to reach out and help. Of thank course, you. of course. So thank you for your time. Thank you for this opportunity. And I look forward to our next discussion. Thank you.